our next step is to get, well, actually, my wife's expecting, for those of you who missed last week, it's going to be our number <coughs> eight. So I have to get to my house for a little while now and, and finish a room in my basement in the bathroom down there so we can move Katie out. Because we have an eight-month-old and a two-year-old in our bedroom, in their own bed, but they're in our bedroom. So I've got to take a little time off from the building part of the church and, and get on that for a little bit. So that's where we're at with it. So right after that, I like to get the signing on the church, and maybe during they get the sign on the church, but right after they get the Sunday school classrooms done. Um, I got this message last week, immediately after I left here. Anybody remember what we preached on last week? Spiritual health. We, we think what we pray to God for a lot of times is about our financial needs or our monetary needs or our physical needs. Heal my body. Make a means for me to do something, but we don't think about our, you know, spiritually put on the list a lot of times. Um, it was for 49 minutes last week. My sermon was 49 minutes last week. Seeing you make your face back there, sister. Won't be near that this week. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I said that to say there was a time not so long ago when I would, I would get to 20 minutes. Pastor would preach three of us in one night just to fill the time he had to fill. But we have to rely on God. To supply all those things. You know, I was completely unprepared to come pastor this church. I, ha- I wasn't old enough in the Lord. I didn't feel like at the beginning of this year, I asked God to give me spiritual maturity. Be careful what you ask God for because I was in a mess at Messenger Chapel, very comfortable, sitting on the front row, teaching the class, doing a few other things, and God kicked me right out of the nest and called us to preach over here, and my wife had to come with me. But uh, when, he, when he sent me here, uh, I told him, you know, God, I'm not ready for this. And I'm not just talking about me today, I'm going somewhere with this. God, I'm not ready for this. I'm not ready to do this. I can't preach every week, three, two or three times a week. I can't preach. I was used to preaching once a month, or, or two or three times a month sometimes. But now we're talking about a couple times a week, and that's just, there's a lot of work and a lot of things going involved in that. And my mind's not ready for that. Spiritually, I wasn't mature enough to do that. And God let me know right away that if I relied on my own abilities, that... I would, that if I was ready, if I was ready, I'd be relying on my own, own abilities. But if I did it now, when he called me out to do it, I'd be relying on him. And he reminded me this week, you know, there's been a few times I'm like, well, you know, I don't know where to go with this God. He told me all along, and it's when he was preparing me to pastor this church, rely on me. Lean on me, son. I've got this. You don't have to worry about having it. I got it. All I have to do is listen to him. So he gave me, my supply is limited. If I would have supplied on myself, or if I would have relied on myself for a sermon coming into this, so this church, I would have ran out a long time ago. Yeah, but God's supply is unlimited. It's yeah. a perfect supply. We'll get that a little later. It goes back to the same song. I'm going to have to ask you, do you all have that song? Lean on, I lean on you, Lord. I lean on you, Lord, for the things that I need. I lean on you. It's an old praise song. Yeah, but I'll learn it. Anyways, it's an old praise song. And it's, yeah. it, there's just a whole lot of truth in there. And it relates to this this week again. It goes, I lean on you, Lord. I lean on you. For the things that I need, I lean on you. And when I don't know what to do, I got the faith you're going to see me through. To supply my every need, I lean on you. And a lot of times we get in trouble because we're relying on our <coughs> needs. We're relying on the way we can do it and not what God can do. This brought me to this scripture this week. My key scripture for the week is Philippians 4.19. Isn't it great to have it up on the wall like this? With yeah. that beautiful background. You can see what God created. That's what it reminds me of when a church has that there. And you could just, it's like going out fishing in the morning and you can see all the things God created and it's just awesome. No man can duplicate that. As smart as men think they are, I saw a bee flying around our patio door 
And you know, there's a little simple organism like that, a little bee flying around. And man can't make one living thing. They can make nuclear bombs, they can make big ships, they can do all the things that they can do, but they can't make something living like this. That's, I'm getting off track a little bit. So Philippians 4.19 is Paul writing to the church of, of Philippi. But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Start, I want to start off by saying my God, when he says my God, that indicates a personal relationship. Yeah. For something to be mine, it's mine. I know it. I know. You get what I'm saying? Most of us spend, most of, us spend most of our time on this earth trying to figure out what our needs are, what we need, trying to figure out what we think we need. When you read the scripture right here, but my, but my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. What comes to your mind? The first thing you think of. You know, my message last week, you think of monetary things, probably, because that's what our flesh comes to most of the time, right off the bat. All my needs, well, what do I need? I'd like for my daughters to be healed. I'd like for my light bill to be paid. I'd like for this to be done. I'd like a new truck, right? This is what I think my needs are. I'd like to be able to feed my kids. We don't go to the spiritual side of it right off the bat, usually. We're trying to figure out what we think we need. Um, so it's usually monetary first, physical or healing, of uh, your emotions. A lot of times I need someone, especially single people, will be saying, I need someone, I need this or that, I need someone to stand up for me. Instead of relying on God, God is the source for everything. And then we have our spiritual thing, we tack that on the last at the end. Oh yeah, God, and by the way, could, uh, could you come in my presence for a little while? After you supply the rest of these things. You know, I used that related to last week of the rich relative. Someone would come and beg for something, and we expect them to do something for us, and we stand there with our hands in our pockets while we wait on him to do it. Well, sometimes he gives us things we have to do, or, we, or he uses people to come along and, and do things for us, and we have to accept those things sometimes. Uh, he goes on to say the next word in there, God shall supply all your needs. Supply there, if you look that up in the concordance, means a perfect supply. God's perfect supply. It's always on time. It's just enough. And it's exactly what you need. Yeah. It's, not, it's, not usually, it's not always what you think it is that you need, but it's exactly what you need to get you by. Right. It's a perfect supply. Think about Moses. In Deuteronomy 2.7, Moses delivered, God delivered, he used Moses to deliver the Israelites out of Egypt, right? They went out, they traveled around this mountain, the base of this mountain in the wilderness for 40 years. And they walked around murmuring and complaining. We want this, God. We want that, God. We want the other, God. Send us down this, God. God sent them down manna. They had manna. All they had to do was get up every morning and go out and pick it up off the ground and make cakes out of it and eat it. Can you imagine that? Gave it to them, laying there. Their shoes didn't wear out. In 40 years, their shoes didn't wear out. I don't know about you all, but I wear out a pair of shoes in a few months. I do a lot of walking, and I wear them out just in a few months. Their shoes didn't wear out after 40 years. God sent a rock around. What happened with the rock? Everybody knows, right? They drank out of the rock. Cool water sprang up out of this rock. He provided for them. The perfect supply. Right on time. Then they complained, you know, God, this man is not good enough. We're tired of eating that. After he gave it to you. We're tired of eating that. Does that sound like us sometimes? We're tired of eating that, God. We want meat. So God said, all right. You're going to eat meat because they were complaining a little bit. You're going to eat meat until you're tired of eating meat. It's going to come out of your nostrils. <laughs> there was a million and a half people there or something to that effect, right? Think about it. He sent quail out to walk across the ground. All they had to do was walk out and pick them up and pluck the rest out of them. Think about how many quail that had to be going across that ground to feed a million and a half people. 
How many quail can you eat? Hmm. Probably a few. They're breast things that big. Zero. Anybody ever hunting quail? You know how hard it is to come across them then? You don't have enough walk across the ground for a million and a half people. Unless it's God's perfect supply. God does that. You know, this last week, we're always talking about on time, and we get the permanent acquaintance. Last week, we were having, I think it was dinner. We always sit down to dinner together. Our whole family does, because, you know, I'm up and gone before most everybody gets out of bed, well, besides Brenda. And we don't get that time to have breakfast or lunch together. So at least at dinner time, we all sit down together. And Kylie had some apple juice. And, and she slammed that thing down, and Brenda was still bringing the rest of the stuff to the table. And Kylie slammed that thing down, and she was banging on the table. I want some juice. We'll be like that with God sometimes. We think it is. We know what we want. Even though, you know, I said, you ain't going to talk to me like that. You know, you better just calm down a little bit. Sometimes God might make us wait because he knows what's best for us. Just like we know what's best for our children. You know, if I gave her three or four glasses of juice before it's time to eat, she's not going to eat her food, right? God knows exactly what's going to happen with us. He knows the future. He knows what's best for us. Sometimes we just have to be patient and wait on him. Look at Elijah. It's always just enough. Elijah, he sent a lady, or he sent a man, a, a prophet of God, Elijah, to a woman's house who was out of, out of flour or meal, whatever it was. She was out of it, out of oil. She had enough just to make a small cake, a little cake, it says, for her and her son, and they were going to go out and die. That's all they needed to do. It's always just enough. God always provides just enough to keep us going. Sometimes he gives us an excess, but it's always just enough. You know, he, he told, Elijah came by and said, you know, she said she didn't have anything. She was going to make this cake, and her and her son were going to die. And Elijah said, okay, but first make that cake and bring it to me. Bring it to the man of God. Provide for the man of God. You get it? God is the ultimate supply here. He's the source. Uh-oh, she's up on the platform now. <laughs> That's the first time she's been able to do that. Uh, so, Elijah, since she, since she provided for that man of God and did what God told her to do, she was obedient. You see, God didn't have to have that meal and that cake to feed Elijah. He could have had quail run across the ground. He didn't need that cake from that woman. But because she was obedient, she did what God asked her to do, what the man of God asked her to do. She had enough meal until the famine was over. She had enough oil until the famine was over to continue to feed her family. Always just enough. You think that barrel filled close to the top as soon as she made that cake? I believe there was probably enough in the bottom of there, and she'd go in there every time and get enough out and make some more cakes to feed her and her son. You get this? There was always just enough, and the next time she'd get dip a little more out of there. And the next time she'd dip a little more out. It's not that it was completely full, but it never ran out. His supply is perfect, it's always on time. Maybe not when we think it's supposed to be, like Kylie was banging her juice glass on the table. Might not be in my time. But it's always in his time. It's always right on time. He knows every day that we're ever going to live in here. He know, and he's already provided everything that we're going to need. We rely on, we need to rely on God like this, though, like a child. But we rely on our jobs a lot of times. It's easy to rely on your job. It's easy for me to rely on Ford for a paycheck. What happens if I go in Monday, though, and Ford's locked up, the gate's locked, the turnstiles, the turnstiles don't turn anymore? If I'm relying on that job, my world's going to crumble. It's going to fall down. It's going to fall apart. If I'm relying on God as my ultimate source, you get what I'm saying here? Then I'm going to be able to believe in God. I'm going to have faith in God that he's going to get me through. He's going to get me another job. He's going to have a a widow woman come by and make me a cake. Whatever it is he's going to do, he's going to supply it. I need not to worry about that. All things are supplied already. All things are supplied by him. Read Matthew 6. The 20s is talking about all our basic needs. He says, but 
Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So sometimes we're, we're dependent on God. Some of us depend on the government to get us by. Some of us depend on people, other people to get us by. And then somewhere down the line is God. If all these things fail me, then I'll come running to God. If I go to work tomorrow and Ford's locked up, buddy, I'm going to come to the altar then, I'm going to pray to God. And I'm going to work on my faith. If my doctor fails me and he tells me there's nothing he can do for me anymore, then I'm going to come to God and I'm going to build my faith. If you wait until you're in the storm, folks, to build your faith, you're in trouble. Amen. How are you going to build that faith when you're looking the storm in the face? You need to build your faith day by day by day, reading the word of being close to God, getting closer to God before the storm hits. Um, God, I, I mentioned people there. God uses people sometimes. God will send a man by to do this or that for you. You know, just like the story I told last week, the man who was in the flood in the hurricane Katrina, he moved to the upstairs and a boat came by and he said, no, I don't need any help. I'm praying. Moved to the roof and, a, and another boat came by. You get the picture. A helicopter finally ended up by and he went to heaven and said, God, why didn't you send someone, or why didn't you help me? Why didn't you save me? He said, I sent two boats and a helicopter by. What's your problem? You know, that's what I sent to help you. Sometimes we need to, we need to, we need to receive gifts from people so we don't rob them out of their blessing. That's a really hard thing for me to do. I would way, way rather give to someone or do something for someone than to re receive something or take something for someone. That's really hard for me to do. But we have to humble ourselves sometimes and do that. That's and right. give the glory. Give thanks to the people. Amen. You know, give thanks to the people. Someone referred me to my job so I could have my job. Give thanks to that person, but give the glory to God. Yeah. And have the faith in the God. He supplies all of our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. The Philippians had to sacrifice something before this happened, before Paul said this to them. In verse 18, it says, An adoring of sweet-smelling sacrifice, acceptable, well-pleasing to God. You see, I, I need to back up this a little bit to give you the, the, the background for this. The church of Philippi, Paul was out being a missionary. He was out spreading the gospel all over Asia during this time, starting churches up everywhere he went to, <laughs> preached the whole, the whole continent, right? You follow me? And the church of Philippi, Paul would get in trouble sometimes, and he needed, he had needs and things, much like you would imagine being out on the road without a job. You follow me, all you're doing is preaching the gospel. You're kind of at the mercy of the people, he would have been. Well, kind of at the mercy of the people, but God was the supply. So the church of Philippi sent him an offering, sent him food. He said he was full from it, or sent him money to buy food, however it would have been. Paul, you notice Paul said that that church, if you read, read it before this in the chapter, Paul said that that church of Philippi was the only one who had supported him on this mission trip. They were the only ones that gave to him. So they made a sacrifice. And they provided for, for Paul. But it wasn't because of the church of Philippi. It was because God, it was all because of God. You getting this? God is the source of it. He used the church to send it to Paul, but God was ultimately the source of it. Does that make sense? Yeah. In Malachi, and I'm going to go here to where we're usually at. And you all probably think I'm hitting on offering a whole lot today because I talked about offering earlier. This is a little bit about paying tithes, but it's not that I'm trying to draw a big offering or anything like that. God's provided everything we're going to need here. I, God doesn't need your money. God wants your obedience is what he's looking for. Amen. Your obedience. Amen. In Malachi 3.10 it says, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. Tithes, we know, the definition of tithes is a tenth. Ten percent. In the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now wherewith. So he's saying provide for my house. Provide for God's house. This is God talking here. Provide for my house. So you come in and give your tithes to the church so the church can be provided for. And he says... Prove me now. So he's saying, test me now. 
Test me on this, God says. And he goes on to say, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. So you bring this in here joyfully. Like I said, you smash this tent down, shake it up, and give him out of the abundance of your heart. You know, a lot of times we get joy because we only give out of abundance. 10% is excess. Sometimes, with me anyway, I know I have to give a little bit more. Because sometimes you've got to give until it hurts a little bit. And that's where we're really giving a sacrifice at. That's where we're really paying into God. Do you get what I'm saying? And I'm not saying this to draw a big offer or anything. I'm just telling you, this is where we're at. We're usually with the monetary things and we're wanting something. Sometimes we've got to give to receive. Just like the Church of Philippi did. So if God's going to pour out a blessing on you that you cannot contain, can you imagine that? Bigger than you can even think of, he's going to pour that on you. And he says, test him in this. And, say, well, and I've had some men in our men's group last week, and I'm getting way off on tithing, but this is where he's taking me to. I had some men in the men's group last week that's been paying the tithe lately. They're new Christians, and they said, wow, we've never had money like this that we've had now. We, I, I didn't even cash my check last week, one of them said. Can you imagine that? Coming from a place where you never had anything to that. And, and knowing that it's because of God. And one of them skipped two weeks paying his tithes. And then he, he went broke in those two weeks. Came back, started paying his tithes again. Well, he was here the whole time, but he went back to paying his tithes again. And uh, worked overtime that Saturday. <laughs> God took care of him again and, and gave him excess. Um, Luke 6, I had another question asking me this week is... Uh, uh, now I give and it's not any no one can see it or whatever. But do you think what do you think about that? And I, I would bring Luke six thirty eight to this. It says the, the you know the press down and shake it together. The measure you give in that's the measure you receive. It's not any of my business what you give or what anybody else gives. It's between you and God. Right. God knows what your tenth is. You know what your tenth is. Now I can try to give an eighth, but God already knows. So it's the measure you give is what you receive. So when we come to God, we're asking Him for things. Are we doing? Are we doing our part? Are we doing what we're supposed to be doing for Him to be doing what He's supposed to be doing? James one seven says, "Every good gift comes from God." Actually, it says it like this: "This is the ISV. Every generous act of giving and every perfect gift is is from above and comes down from the Father, who made the heavenly lights, in whom there is no inconsistency or shifty shadow." Think about that. Every good gift. So for me to be able to give to the church anyway, that's a gift from God. Because God put that love in my heart to be able to do it. Amen. For me to be able to show you love and compassion, to show you his grace, to let his light shine through me, that's a gift from him. It's all from God. It's not from a man. He uses man a lot of times. You get what I'm saying here? He uses man a lot of times. We need to be thankful for the man that he sends or the woman that he sends. To, to give us the gifts, but or to give us, show us love, or whatever it is in that case. It's not always monetary. It's, a lot of times it's a physical thing. A lot of times it's a spiritual thing, just to come pray with someone. That's a gift from God for me to be able to come pray with you. Because let me tell you something. A few years back when I was living the way I was living, I wouldn't have showed you compassion like that. I wouldn't have showed you faith. I wouldn't have showed you love. Until God came into my life and changed everything completely around. We need to realize and remember that He is the source of everything. Every good thing, God is the source of it. That's what it says here in the scripture. Um, the next word, and I lost my place here. Check it. Put that back up on the screen for me, please. I got it back. The next word here is riches in the scripture. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Jesus, or by Christ Jesus. The next word is riches. This means 
Riches in grace, which is the first and foremost thing we should be looking for. Spiritual abundance. It's also material riches there they're talking about. It says, my God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Right? The Bible says that. Well, you are a somber bunch today. <laughs> a little more head shaking, little amens. You might jump around or something, would you? That's good. <laughs> but it says, goes on to say, by Christ Jesus. And this here's the kicker. This is what got me. What do you mean by Christ Jesus? And I studied this out for two or three days. By Christ Jesus. By Christ Jesus. What exactly does he mean by Christ Jesus? My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. That all is good and well. But by Christ Jesus. This is the big part right here. Jesus, or Christ first off, means the Son of God. So he gave his Son. He gives us all these things through the giving of his Son. The way. The way to the Father. He's the only way to the Father. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. No one comes to the Father except by Jesus. Think about this. This is where God took me through with this. I, I studied on this and I pondered on it. And I wasn't sure that's all there was to it or anything. And, and God gave me this. Well, I got a little more than he's going to give me something. I'll see you what he gave me. Jesus died so we could have grace, a relationship with him. Right? right? Because when, when Adam was here, he sinned and the Holy Ghost and, and God went back to heaven. And the, the man didn't really have a true relationship with God, an intimate, personal relationship. The Spirit would come on the kings, priests, and prophets for a work or for a period of time, but they wouldn't, he wouldn't live inside of them. He didn't indwell them. They didn't have the authority they had like Adam had because the Holy Ghost and fire is what causes that authority to work. It's through our words, but it releases, it releases the Holy Ghost and fire on them. So that he also gave us grace so that we could boldly go into the throne room of God. Everything's provided for. He wants us to have it all. His sons paid an extremely high price for us to have everything that we're ever going to need. Yes, he did. Did he come through to help me again? <laughs> when Jesus died, the ground shook. Yes, Think about this. Amen. The sky turned dark, Amen. and the veil was rent. Everybody know what the veil is we're talking about here? In the old temple that Solomon built, there was a holy place, a church like this that everyone could come up with exactly like this. But picture it this way, a church like this that everyone could come into. You all can come into this holy place. But then there's a big doorway here that goes into the Holy of Holies. And you would have to come in and pay the priest and give him an offering to go back and take your sacrifice and sacrifice it inside the Holy of Holies. And, the, and no man could stand in the presence of God if they had sin on them. No man could stand in the presence of God in this body. So if the priest went in, the priest would they'd tie a rope around his leg and he'd wear a bell on him. So when he went into the Holy of Holies, if that bell quit ringing, they knew he was dead. They'd have to pull him out by the leg. You getting this? When Jesus died, that veil was rent. Now, right. I heard a preacher talking here just, just a few days ago, and he said, I, I read about the veil, and it says it was, uh, didn't have any seams in it. The way it was made, it would have been really strong. I pictured it as being like taking a pair of blue jeans and trying to rip them in half by hold the leg here and the other part of the leg here and trying to pull that in half, how strong that'd be. That's what I had in my head. But this preacher studied it all out, and he was a, a theologist and all that good stuff, had degrees and everything, and he, he said that he estimated this thing to be 70 to 90 feet tall and 6 inches thick. Nice. Amen. Think about what piece of cloth that was without a seam in it. Mm -hmm. And the power of God just ripped that in half like it was nothing that happened. Mm -hmm. And that's amazing right there in itself. You could have hooked two of these big tractors, these big eight-tire tractors that have been in the middle, 
Hook one of them on each side of this thing and they couldn't pull it apart. That's how strong this thing was. But the power of God just ripped it in half in midair. And the reason he ripped it in half in midair was for you and for me. It was so God wasn't contained with that room. God never was contained. He came out of the room any time. But he could come out freely and we could go boldly to his throne room freely. We could come to him and ask him for forgiveness. You get this? We could come to him and ask him for forgiveness. Lord, please forgive me. I'm a sinner. That's, it's as simple as that. We can have as much or as little of God as we want. He could also come out and live inside of me. Now, I have the Holy Ghost and fire living inside of me. Amen. A lot of you have the Holy Ghost and fire living inside of you. So we can have as much or as little of God as, as we want. Now, he wants us to have this relationship. He didn't do it and say, and you say, well, all these things aren't happening in my life. It's not God's fault. God wants you to have this relationship with him. He gave his son to die a horrible death in order that I could have this relationship with him. You think he doesn't want it? You think he's not calling it? You may think you're here today just on some chance, on some whim, somebody invited you. Hey, the first time I called, I came back to church after several years. I knew I was called to preach, and I ran from God. And I didn't come back to church anymore. I didn't tell a soul about it. And my wife and my mom nagged me and nagged me. And I walked back in there, and they and the preacher's wife cut him off at the altar call at the end of the night. And said, there's a young man here with a call in his life. Just like that. God knows you're here. He chose you to be in a relationship with him even before he formed this earth. That's right. You're not here for no reason. It's because someone called you. And I said that to say, I went to church to keep shut somebody up. Shut up my mom and my, and my wife because they were nagging me all the time. And I went just to appease them. But it ended up changing my life. James 4, 8 says, Draw nigh to God, and he will draw near to you. If I draw nigh to God... He draws near to me. Think about this. If I start praying to God, if I just come down here today and say a simple little prayer and I reach out to God, think about how big God is. It says he can hold the waters of the seas in his hand. How much more can he reach than me? I might be able to hold an ounce in my hand and it's probably going to be dripping out of my fingers. But God can hold the water of the seas. Now, if I reach out and make a small reach, he's going to reach out and get a hold of me. He's going to meet me right where It says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. He double-minded. He's talking about repenting here. That's what he's talking about, repentance. Amen. If you're here today and you don't know God as your personal Savior, if you don't know beyond the shadow of a doubt, if you die today, if I die right now, if Jesus stepped out of that cloud, you know he's coming. Yes, he soon and very soon. We're in the last of the last of the last days right now. So if he steps out of that cloud today, are you going to heaven? Is that you? Will you be there? Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt? If you're not sure, or if you think you may be, or you think you're not sure, then you're probably not. Let me just tell you that. Let me be blunt with you and tell you the truth. You're probably not ready. My Bible says to be saved, all you have to do is believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Believe that he died on the cross for you. And that he was resurrected. And he's coming back again someday. And then it says that I have something I have to do. I have to profess it with my mouth. You see, there's going to be a great white throne judgment. I have to admit these things and say them to him and ask him for forgiveness. That's all i got to do. And some, some people might not want you know, being saved. What am I being saved from? The Bible says there's a great, uh, a great white throne judgment the last day. Everyone who's ever existed on this earth is going to be here on that day. Amen. It says death, hell, and the sea are going to give up the dead and those. Everyone who's ever existed on this earth is going to be in front of God on the day. So it's going to be a great and terrible day. Amen. A great and terrible day. It's going to be great for some. If you know you're making it, you can look at him in the eye. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a great day for you, brother. I'm going home. Amen. On the other hand, if your head's got to hang when he looks at you and you have to look down, you can't stand to look at him. And you know 
that you have something between you and God, something that's not right. It's going to be a terrible day for you. It says there's going to be two books open on that day. First off, I need to tell you the definition of death. The death as we know it here on this earth, the physical death is, when my, we're, we're a spirit and a soul and we have a body, right? When my body dies, my flesh body dies, it goes back to the dirt. My spirit goes back to heaven to God because he's the one that gave it. My soul, however, my mind, my will, and my emotions, that's the true me, that goes to either heaven or hell. Wherever I prepared it to go to, that's where I'm going. In an instant, bam, I go to hell or I go to heaven. As soon as I breathe out my last breath, the Bible speaks of giving up the ghost. It says when Jesus gave up the ghost, when he breathed his last breath out, immediately he went where he was going. And that's the same way you'll do. We're made in his likeness. Immediately you'll step out of that body and into eternity. You see, we're here for 80 or 90 years, whatever it is, 70 years. Some of us shorter, some of us longer. But when you step out of this, this is in time. You step out of that in eternity, it's forever. Forever. So that's the first death. The definition of death is the separation of something forever. So when my soul and my spirit are separated from my body, that's the first death. Right? We're all going to experience that. The Bible says every man and woman are appointed one time to die. We're all going to die that death. The separation of our body. The second death, however, is of the great white throat judgment. He's going to open up two books. The first book is the book of remembrance. Anything that you've ever done, it could have been 10, 15, 50 years ago, and you forgot all about it. You didn't even remember it. You're going to remember when he opens that book up like it was yesterday. That's what you're going to be held accountable for. That's what you're going to answer to him for on the day. Right? The second book, however, when you ask for God for forgiveness and you believe that he is God, you ask him for forgiveness, he takes the blood of Jesus and he wipes that history out. He wipes it out. Now I'm only responsible from today forward. And if I'm trying and I'm repenting, you see a lot of people think repent means you come to God, you say what you did wrong, and then you keep on going and what you, whatever you feel right. Repent means you do an about face. You turn completely around and you get as far as you can get away from it. That's what repent means. So as long as I'm repenting and I'm trying to do better and I'm getting away from these things, I can continue to come back to God and say, Lord, I messed up. I'm trying here, and he knows if you're really trying or not. Anyhow, the second book is the, is the Lamb's Book of Life. Whoever's name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life is going to heaven. You're on your way. You don't die the second death. The second death is the separation of God forever. Your soul gets separated from God forever and the lake of fire. The lake of fire, the Bible says, burns with brimstone and fire. Brimstone translates to sulfur, if you look it up with the concordance. And that's 6,000 degrees. It's the same, about roughly, as a cutting torch, within a couple hundred degrees as a cutting torch. A whole lake this big. Now picture this. You're standing up here, you can go out into eternity with you know roads of gold and and you know all the jewels and everything or you can or you can get in this lake of fire it's up to you we're all going to make this choice can i get every head bowed at this time could it be placed off like this we're all going to make this choice that i'm talking about here you can make this decision today in the comfort right here in the in the heat and the ac whatever we got going on today you can make this choice today and make it simple and turn your life around and live for god and you can be on your way to heaven and live eternity with me in paradise, with Jesus in paradise. I'm on my way. I know that I'm on my way with Jesus in paradise. Or you can choose to walk back out these doors, and you never know when this is your last your last chance to make this decision. Pray with me, saints. So like those people here making life and death decisions today. Maybe you, you've known Jesus before. Maybe you just need to come back to him. Maybe you need to make a new commitment. If that's you today, would you come down to the altar? Please come to the altar. I'll beg you today. Come to the altar today and make it right with God. Make a new commitment with God. You might say, that's a long way down there, that altar preacher. It's a long way down there, and everybody's going to be looking at me. Nobody in here is going to judge you. Nobody in here is going to judge you. 
take this opportunity today to make it right with God. Maybe we just haven't been doing everything we need to be doing for God. Maybe we haven't been reaching. Maybe we need to put something else under the blood and we're pretty much right, but we just need to repent for something. If that's you today, come on to the altar. God's really working on someone here today. I'll go a little further with you. If you don't know that you're on your way to heaven, would you raise your hand so I can pray for you? If that's you, just raise your hand real quick and back down. I won't call you out. I won't call you out. I won't embarrass you in front of anybody. It's not about me and you anyway. I just want an opportunity to pray for you, if that's you. It's just it's between you and God, really. You can do this right in your seat, or you can do it driving down the road. You can do it. In your bathroom at home, you can do it. In your prayer closet, you can do it anywhere you want to do it at. You can do it in front of 100 people or, or all alone. It's a real simple prayer. Church, can we go ahead and do it together today, the center prayer? Just in case there's someone here. The Bible says he wants not one to perish. So let's let them just be amongst us as we say it together for good. Repeat after me. Father, Father. I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. I know that your son Jesus died on the cross for me. I thank you, Lord. Please forgive me. Lead me and guide me the rest of my days. Live in my heart. In Jesus' name I pray this. Amen. I'd like to thank every one of you for coming out today. That's all I have for you today. Shake hands and come out and smile. Thank <laughs> you.